We'll be looking at the first 13 verses. So the question is, are you Pentecostal? And my answer is not nearly enough. What are we talking about? Do you realize that Acts chapter 2 is not about signs, it's about souls? In fact, Jonathan Edwards, in the Great Awakening, a couple hundred years ago now, wrote this in a work he entitled A History of Redemption. From the fall of man to our day, the work of redemption in its effect has mainly been carried on um, by remarkable, that is, extraordinary communications of the Spirit of God. Though there is a more constant influence of God's Spirit always in some degree attending his ordinances, yet the way in which the greatest things have been done towards carrying on this work always have been by remarkable effusions, the idea there is outpourings, at special seasons of mercy. In fact, when you think about it, God moves at his timetable and in his way, doesn't he? He doesn't take orders from us. He doesn't work off any clock or timetable or calendar that we have. Pentecost was the first of these great outpourings on the Christian church. And until the task of world evangelization is completed, it's our duty to pray for fresh seasons of extraordinary outpouring of God's spirit. We call it revival, don't we? Been praying for revival for a long time here at this church at special corporate prayer times. Acts chapter 2, would you stand with me please? In respect to God's word, I want to read the first 13 verses. Then I want us to look at the significance of Pentecost, the suddenness of Pentecost, the sounds and sights of Pentecost, and the segregation that came from Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, 
Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What mean these men are full of new wine? Lord, I pray that the significance of this Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, after the resurrection, that we would see and truly evaluate whether we are fulfilling the Pentecostal update, the Pentecostal mandate given here in the text. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice from the text the significant significance of Pentecost. And I have Three things here that I think are significant. First of all, significant background. The significant background. And I'm not going to take the time this morning, but if we went to Exodus 34, Exodus 23, Leviticus 23, they all talk about a feast of weeks, a feast of harvest. And I think particularly that feast of harvest is significant when it comes to Pentecost, they were coming together to focus on all the ways that God had blessed them through the harvest that had just occurred. And it was one of those holidays or special days for the Jews where they were required to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So you saw in our text how many different ethnic groups of people were represented on this particular occasion. And in Leviticus 23, it gives us that specific uh, timetable that appointed by God, it talks about seven weeks after Passover. Fifty days is the idea there. And Here's the key to the significance. The purpose was consecration, giving as we are able to give. Um, It's not about the signs that we see spoken of here in Acts chapter 2. It's about what was God wanting this special time to be for the early church. The church was launched right here in Acts chapter 2. This is the beginning point. The Holy Spirit coming upon believers. Secondly, not only was it so there that significant background from the Old Testament, but there was significant involvement. And I already mentioned it, that all of these different people groups were come together to Jerusalem to celebrate this Feast of Harvest, this Pentecost celebration. And God specifically had that in mind so that the ultimate purpose could be fulfilled by propagating the gospel through spirit-filled believers all over the Middle East and eventually to what? All points of the planet, everywhere. But the third thing that I think is significant 
And this is what you were thinking when I asked the question, are you Pentecostal? You were thinking about, I don't speak in tongues. I don't believe in some healer other than God himself. But isn't it significant that Satan would want to get the church off on the signs about Pentecost and not the ultimate purpose for what Pentecost represents? We don't have the Holy Spirit so we can stand up in a service and speak in some jitterish language that nobody understands. That Spirit of God came upon these people. These are sign gifts. These no longer exist. Tongues don't exist today. Just check 1 Corinthians 13 out. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 4, there was another significant outpouring of the Spirit of God, and there are no tongues mentioned at all. So I want you to see it's significant that Satan wants to get the church off of what God's purpose is all about. And his purpose here was to see souls saved. I didn't read to the end of the chapter, but you remember what happened when Peter said, what are you talking about? There's no drunks here. These men are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're telling you about Jesus Christ. They're giving you the good news. And you remember there were the doubters. We read about them, the ones that didn't believe. But you remember 3,000 souls trusted Jesus Christ on that one day? I call that a significant outpouring, wouldn't you? Wasn't any tent meeting, wasn't any big advertised event. It was God's Spirit working in power through believers. But Satan would love for us to get distracted and think Pentecost is about some feeling, about some thing that happens in the believer it's not about that at all that is not the purpose that's why I asked the question are you Pentecostal because really this is all about world evangelization we have the spirit of God in us not so we can draw attention to us but so that we can proclaim the name of Jesus Christ bring glory to him and see people all around us get saved would you agree That's really what's going on here. But Satan would love. And boy, has he done a masterful job in our day and time to get people all confused about this thing called Pentecost. Well, not only is there a lot of significance to Pentecost, but did you notice the word in verse 2, and suddenly... There came a sound from heaven. I want to remind us that God works just that way, doesn't he? He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on his time schedule. And when God works, things happen suddenly. That's what happened here. It is a reminder to me of the sovereignty of our God. Here he is directing. He chose this special time. He 
was well aware that all of these people groups were going to be gathered in Jerusalem, all kinds of different languages, all kinds of groups just meeting in their little huddles, talking to each other because they couldn't understand other groups. And here he comes, and he sends that Holy Spirit, just like that, that suddenness. In fact, um, I was reminded of an account I read of D.L. Moody. It was 1871, and Moody was a little bit, um, well, one commentator I read said he was a little perturbed by two ladies that kept coming to his church every day and sitting on the front row, no service going on, and these ladies would come and spend an hour or more and I don't know Moody I think kind of thought maybe they were trying to get attention or something that wasn't their motive at all well one day Moody decided he was going to join them so he came in kind of surprised the ladies and he said could I join you in prayer and they said sure so he asked the obvious question what are you praying for And they said, Mr. Moody, we are praying for you. We are praying for power, love, and a sound mind. We're praying for your ministry. We see God's hand of calling upon you. That was the summer of 1871. If you know your history, it was November of 1871, the Great Chicago Fire. And in that Great Chicago Fire, Moody's church building burned to the ground. Everything was gone. And Moody decided to get away for a time. It was a very, very, as you could imagine, stressful time. He got away to New York. And he tells there that in his time alone in New York, seeking God's direction, the Spirit of God became so evident and so real. He said it was just like that. Now, we know those ladies were key. But for Moody, who kind of resented some of those ladies at first, it was like all of a sudden God's Spirit was working in his heart. And he goes on to testify and say, I didn't change my messages. I didn't change my sermons in any way. I didn't change the text, the Bible that I was using. I didn't change a thing. But you know what happened to his ministry? It took off with power. People were being saved like had never happened before. And that points out two things. Yes, God works suddenly. But God also works through faithful prayer warriors. You won't find any revival recorded in the history of mankind that isn't preceded by fervent seasons of prayer for that very thing. Do we need revival in America? Oh, my goodness. Do we need revival in Missouri? Do we need revival in Kansas City? Do we need revival at Eagle Heights? Yes, we do. 
we do. Suddenness. Suddenness. It speaks greatly of God and God's working. Just as he worked here. It was a sudden thing that happened. They didn't come together to have some Holy Spirit experience. They came together because it was Pentecost. It was 50 days ever Passover. It was a celebration of the Feast of Harvest. That's why they came. But did you notice in that verse 2, the sounds and the sights of Pentecost? A sound like rushing mighty wind. Did you notice in Scripture, as you've read it through the years, that many times when God was moving in great ways, he gave visual or auditory manifestations. I wrote down a few. Remember for the children of Israel, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. You know what those Jews knew? That was God. God was moving. God was working. Follow that cloud. Follow that pillar of fire. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized? There was a dove. A dove. That's a natural bird. But it was a special symbol of what God was doing through his son to bring peace to earth. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about the building shook. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen's face appeared as an angel. In Acts 16, there was a great earthquake. The point is, it is not the sign that's significant. It's that God was working and the people responded. At least some responded. 3,000 responded. How important it is for you and I to understand and acknowledge that God doesn't work on anybody's formula. Can you imagine why that would be important? Tony Holland shared this with me. Tony was here today. Do I see Tony? Are you there? Yeah. Took his wife down for cancer treatment to a Christian oncologist. And lots of people there. And the question came up. I don't think it came up from Tony, but somebody asked the question, what's the key, what's the formula for success in beating cancer? And the doctor said, There is no formula. It's all about God's desire, God's will, God's choosing. Do you understand the significance of that? Don't we want to formulize everything? Don't we want everything to fit into a little pattern so we know what to do? And all I do is plug in A and B and get the answer C. We all like that. Man, I am so much like that, it hurts. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want us to look to a formula. What do you want us to look to? Him. The author and finisher of our faith. He wants us to put him first. He doesn't want us to go forward in our own strength. He wants us to go forward in his strength. 
So here's this unbelievable manifestation, sound like a rushing, mighty wind. What was God doing? God was letting them know that he was in charge and he had a grand purpose for this Holy Spirit. You remember in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on people, what, at different times for different purposes. But now we're in the new dispensation, a new time here. And God's Spirit, God designed it so his Spirit would come on every believer. If you're a believer here today, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. How much of the Spirit do you have? All. And the issue is never a lack of the Spirit. The issue is the lack of willingness, surrender, desire on our part. But not only were there sounds, there were sights. Cloven, the idea of split tongues, like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. Why? Why was that sign gift of tongues given in Acts 2? World evangelization. I can't emphasize enough. It's not the sign. It's souls that this was all about. Don't get sidetracked. So when I asked you the question kind of teasingly, are you Pentecostal? I hope you would say, I am for world evangelization. I am for letting the Spirit of God work in me to propagate the gospel. I want revival to come. I think that's the significance here, not what's been sidetracked in our day and age in which we live. Did you notice what happened when this sound and this sight occurred? God's presence was overwhelming to them. His greatness was displayed in them. In fact, Don't you find it interesting that here are a bunch of people seeing what God was doing and their answer was, they're drunk. They're drunk. That explains it. No naturalistic answer here. It is all about what God was doing. Don't we want God to work that way today? Not through some sign gift that's not going to happen to any of us. But letting the Spirit of God so work in us that we will be the kind of ambassadors that he wants. There isn't a place we could go in Kansas City where the message of the gospel is not needed. It's our priority. It's our purpose. It's our mandate. It's really what we're all about. Telling people how they can know for sure they're going to heaven when they die. Have you picked up some tracks today? I've been using that track because we're coming up to the 4th of July and we just had Memorial Day. In God We Trust. It's a great track out there. It's green colored. And I encourage you to pick it up. Seasonal tracks, the Lejeunes just did some organizing. They're taking over the track ministry. And they put on the room one and two side all the tracks related to special days, special events. And on the 
office side track rack. It's the basic tracks of salvation. Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? God's simple plan of salvation, those kinds of tracks. But that is exactly what Pentecost is all about. It's not about some signs and people rolling in the, in the aisles and speaking all kinds of unknown languages. It had a purpose to give these people the gospel, the good news, in their own tongue, in their own language. Someone said, the flames on their tongues turn knowledge of God into passion for God. The sound of God working drowned out the puny voices of doubt and uncertainty. What happened to these men when the Holy Spirit came on them? They were bold as lions. They didn't hesitate to speak the truth. They gave forth the gospel to everyone who would listen. So that brings me to the last thing. I called it the segregation of Pentecost. Look at verse 12 and verse 13. And they were all amazed and were in what? What's the next word? They were doubt. There was confusion. Saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. If you go down to the end, I didn't read there. Go down to verse um, 40. Peter stands up and he expounds the gospel to them. They heard it in their own tongue. And in verse 40, it says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation, crooked, uh, evil. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And notice what these souls did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. The importance of what our ministry is all about. When you and I, filled with the Spirit of God, speak the truth of God, we're not going to get 100% reception, are we? We're going to find people that mock, belittle, doubt, maybe even persecute. That's happening in the world. But you know what? I've never been able to figure out who's going to listen to the gospel. So you know what that means? Just give it and don't worry about it. The results are who? God's. It's God. I have four so what's. So what? They had Pentecost back there 2,000 years ago. Here are the four so what's. Are you praying for a Holy Spirit outpouring in America, in Missouri, Kansas City, at Eagle Heights? Will you join one of our corporate prayer times for revival? We gather every week. Ladies on Wednesday morning, the men twice on Sunday morning, early before church. 
specifically praying for revival. Now, you can pray individually. Praise God for that. But there's something about corporate praying. And if I could say this to you, men, we lost one of our dear prayer warriors, moved to Florida last week, Glenn Booth. Came every Sunday morning. I wonder who will take Glenn's place. I wonder who will join us to pray for revival. That's so what number one. So what number two. Since these outpourings are not controlled by us, we must obey what we know. What do we know? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We know that God can bring on times of great revival. It can still happen in America. But until he does, we have a duty to fulfill, a responsibility to give, an opportunity to look for lost people and minister the truth to them every single way we can. Number three. In the Old Testament, the Jews went to the temple where God was. In the New Testament, as believers, we bring God into the building because the Holy Spirit lives in us. What are we doing to manifest godliness Everywhere we go. What are we doing to let a lost and dying world know that there's another way to live? There is a Bible way to live. Aren't you glad the Bible deals with so many practical areas of living? How to raise children. How to love your spouse. How to handle your money. How to be a good neighbor. The list goes on. And on and on. I think we discount too much the significance of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit living in us. There are too many believers today that act like they have no power, no desire, no anything when they have the Holy Spirit living in them. We don't need a pill, we need the Holy Spirit. We need repentance, we need to be broken. And acknowledge that we are the problem. And that we need God to work in and through us. When's the last time you cried over somebody who needed truth? Who needed to be loved, ministered to? The fourth so what is? Don't seek signs, seek souls. We are here today in Kansas City because all those different people groups, there was a great outpouring of God's spirit and 3,000 souls got saved. They went back to their respective areas in the world, mainly in the Middle East, right? And they spread the gospel. 
And then a guy comes along by the name of Paul. What's he do? He takes the gospel up into Europe and other places, and people get saved there. What's Europe do? They send people, come to America. You and I get saved. Do you see the significance? Don't get distracted by Pentecostalism and all about tongues and emotions and all those things. That is insignificant. The significant thing about Pentecost is that the Spirit of God came by God's plan and desire to give us the power that we need to do the things that we struggle with doing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle at the point of right desires. Sometimes I have the right desires and I struggle at fulfilling what the godly desires are. Never forget, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I hope I've cleared up what I mean by being Pentecostal. And I hope we understand that until world evangelization is complete or the Lord returns, we need to be more Pentecostal, more spirit-controlled, Spirit-led, spirit-empowered, and soul-conscious. Will we? Will we accept what God has done? Will we go in his strength today? You leave those doors right there? We used to have a sign. You are now entering the mission field. Truth of the matter is, the mission field is everywhere we are. What are we doing? How are we doing? What more can we do? Who do we need to talk to? I chose a hymn to close this morning. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. By the way, D.L. Moody made this statement. I forgot to quote it. Fits good here, though. He said, after that experience in New York, with the Spirit of God coming on me, and the Spirit of God empowering me, and me seeing how vital those ladies were in praying, he said, I wouldn't trade what the Spirit of God has done for anything in the world. Oh, to have Pentecostal power. To see God working. And I'm not, and you could tell by the so what's, I'm not talking about just praying faithfully that the Spirit of God would come and bring revival. I'm talking about until that time, let's be obedient. Let's do what we're supposed to do. Let's be faithful. Let's not get distracted by those that are distracted with the wrong things. Let's not get discouraged by people that reject the message, that say no to the gospel. Let's just keep doing what God would have us to do. God's heart today, there's an altar here.